Morning, everyone. Uh, so today, uh, Professor is going to uh, be going over the paper, How to Ensure the Stability of the New European Currencies. So over to Professor. Thank you, mm, Sandeep. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. <coughs> I still haven't finished my comments on that other paper entitled Gold, The Gold Problem Revisited. As you recall, this is celebrating the almost 50th anniversary of the original paper Ludwig von Mises with the title of Gold Problem and the Four Futile Efforts of government to uh, influence economic events. And uh, very recently I've completed this uh, paper which expands on the ideas of Mises, sometimes goes into an argument with Mises' original, and I'm I am referring to this one, so you find it on page 19, towards the end of your uh, collection of papers. <clears throat> and remember the missing G. <clears throat> the only letter which is missing from this transcript <clears throat> due to transcribing from one uh, word processing system to another. Unfortunately, the G has been missed, but it shouldn't be too difficult to uh, make sense out of it if you know that that's the only uh, problem. All right, I have already covered the first futile effort, that's the Futility of government policy to uh, increase the money supply, to inflate and push down the rate of interest. I'm not going to return to that. The second one we have started and almost and, and also finished, it was the futility of government policy to suppress the rate of interest. That's also frustrated by uh, the market, and I have an insight which I added here, which is something that Mises himself missed, but I think it's important and that insight is 
the uh, effect of, uh, of gold hoarding. Now, the third one we have started, I haven't finished, so I come back to this one. The futility of government policy to boost wages. This is a demagogic effort on the part of the government to endear itself to the toiling masses, laboring masses who are at the bottom rung of the ladder. They are struggling, their, their situation is difficult, admittedly, but the government paints itself as the savior. The government will force those uh, blood-sucking exploiters to yield more of the profit which could be paid over in the form of wages. Now, uh, Mises does a very good job in refuting this and why this backfires. But what Mises doesn't do, and I try to do, and I would like to emphasize this uh, again, so that you see, uh, uh, I'm in disagreement with Mises over the real bills doctrine. I always add the name Adam Smith, because this is your guarantee that we have a serious theory. Adam Smith, Smith was a first-class thinker, philosopher, moral philosopher, and economist, and the real Bill's doctrine does credit to his uh, work. Unfortunately, Mises dismisses the real Bill's doctrine. We don't. We take it very seriously. But here's something which only fairly recently, <clears throat> during the past 80 years, came out. And this is the fact that the real bills, uh, the, the uh, financing trade in terms of real bills, has an a very important impact on the demand for labor. And not just demand, but also makes it possible to finance the labor bill, the wage bill. And this is something which um, practically nobody noticed. I mentioned with the exception of one uh, economist, a German economist by name Heinrich Rittershausen, and uh, he uh, pointed out and in fact predicted the, the absolutely horrible wave of unemployment which hit the entire world in the 1930s. What he pointed out that part of the bill circulation, these bills real bills, which finance world trade, are in fact circulating. They can be used as a, as a means of payment by the 
various phases of produ uh, the production process can be thought of sequence of phases. The maturing good is being passed on from one producer to the next and again to the next and next until it matures into a marketable consumer good at which point it's sold. And the way to finance this is certainly not in terms of gold coins. There would not be enough gold in the world to make this uh, movement, finance this movement of the maturing goods, myriads of them, lots and lots of them, are going, moving from the producer to the consumer, and lots and lots of exchanges are involved before the one single exchange, selling it to the last, the ultimate consumer. And to finance this, to make it possible that this, these many exchanges can be done expeditiously, is in terms of the real bill. The real, and <coughs> nobody, no single person is responsible for that. It wasn't a matter of uh, discovery or an invention or anything like that. It was a spontaneous movement of uh, when these traders are passing on the maturing merchandise, the payment is in form of real bills. It's just a magnificent natural development, one of those which uh, uh, Menger often talks about, that without any government intervention or any planning, this just spontaneously arises. So these real bills started circulating on their own. There is a dynamic involved, it's inherent in the uh, consumption that these consumer goods are in high demand <clears throat> and it can be taken for granted that when they are produced and they reach the, the retail shelf, <coughs> then uh, the consumers are waiting for it and they'll pick it up and take it home and then they disappear in consumption. And at the same time, the real bill also disappears in consumption. Now, what Rittershausen observed was that if you take the volume of all these real bills, which haven't expired yet, and therefore there is a corresponding movement of goods towards the ultimate consumer, if you take these real bills as an aggregate, then the lion's share of this is really what we could call the wage fund. It's, these are funds which are ultimately paid out in the form of wages to various laborers, different point of the supply chain as the good moves towards the ultimate consumer. They are laborers. You th can think of it as an assembly line. And the laborers are standing next to the assembly line, 
the assembly line is moving and takes the item with it. And at every point, the laborer does something to it, which raises its value, and then the next one also. So this is a kind of assembly line, and as <coughs> it moves the merchandise to the ultimate uh, consumer, uh, the laborer earns his wage. But who is going to pay his wage? That's the question which Rütteshausen asked himself. Uh, because the ultimate, the merchandise is not yet marketable. It's, as the uh, assembly line moves, it gets, it's getting more and more marketable, but it's not ready for sale for cash, which means gold coin or silver coin. That will happen only at the very last stage. So, in other words, somebody has to advance the money to pay the wages. And who is it? Well, it turns out that no single bank, no single individual, it is a social um, provision, let's say. The uh, real bill market is a social institution. <clears throat> it's not a private institution, it's not a government institution, it's something society has created and it's a marvelous instrument because it makes it possible that a merchandise might not be sold for 91 days, for three months. It might not be because it's not ready yet. It's moving on the assembly line. Yet the laborer who is working on the assembly line can get paid weekly. There are 13 weeks before this thing will be sold. But that's no problem because uh, this social institution of the real bill circulation makes it possible that all the wage earners who contribute their labor to the creation of this uh, consumer good, which is in high demand, then they will get paid. They don't have to wait 13 weeks before they get paid out of the proceeds of the final sale, because theoretically this is the source of the payment. But because of this real bill circulation, they don't have to wait. And in fact, they wouldn't be employed in the first place if it wasn't for the uh, real bill circulation. If, if you really think of this, you will uh, have only admiration for this. This is something, as I say, uh, developed socially, and, and, and I'm I'm completely at loss to understand why people so vehemently oppose and attack the real bill doctrine. They find all kinds of derogatory uh, words to describe it, from inflationary, from cheating, from this and that, when it's actually one of the most marvelous uh, social institutions which develops spontaneously and takes care of 
the <coughs> employment opportunities for literally tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people around the world. Not now, because they have destroyed the bill market. The, um, I have gone through this, not going to repeat it. And it was never reconstructed after World War I. We don't have an international, I mean, locally there might be bill markets, the local clearing and all that. This I'm not talking about. I'm talking about a multilateral uh, world trade which has these goods in a most expeditious way being prepared for the consumer uh, to buy at the end, but in the meantime, its movement is financed by the dynamics of real bill trading, international uh, real bill circulation. And this is the institution I'm talking about. This incorporates the wage fund, a very large part of the uh, aggregate uh, real bill was the wage fund, and <clears throat> this was destroyed. And that is the cause of the unemployment problem which started really in the 20th century after World War I. Uh, before that, certainly in the 19th century and early 20th century, there was no such a thing as structural unemployment. There's no such thing. If somebody wanted to work, he or she could find a job, a suitable job, and uh, earn wages because there were all these goods being prepared for the consumer. And there was an economist by the name Say, Jean-Baptiste Say, I, I'm not sure about the first name, Say, S-A-Y, and, uh, and uh, Keynes uh, made his name <laughs> very famous because Keynes uh, denied the validity of what came to be known as Say's Law. So Say's, uh, he... Uh, announced a law which goes something like this. The, uh, the, uh, the uh, laborers, through their employment, will create the uh, proceeds whereby they can be paid. So employment creates the opportunity to pay wages. The two are two sides of the same coin. And, uh, and uh, the message is that there is really no such a thing as structural unemployment. Because if somebody is employed, then Employment increases by one person, but at the same time, the uh, uh, goods, which uh, consumer goods are being produced, will increase, 
and out of the sale, out of the proceeds of the sale of this extra uh, merchandise, the wages can be paid. So it's a contradiction in terms to talk about structural unemployment. He, of course, he didn't use these words, but that is the message. And uh, Keynes made a big point in his uh, uh, magnum opus, the general theory of uh, employment, interest, etc., that says law is not valid because there is such structure on employment, mature capitalism creates its inner contradiction, and as a result, be, there is mass uh, unemployment, and of course, the gold standard contributes to it too, because the gold standard, in his opinion, is contractionist, which means it does not help expand the economy, it rather helps to contract it. And then, of course, there was a big discussion on all that. Now, I mention Say's name because I think this insight, what Rutherhausen uh, brought out, and he was the only one who did that, actually proves Say's law. Because the wage fund takes care of this. There are two aspects to it. One is newly emerging merchandise, on the other hand, there are the wages being paid. And the two go together. If uh, the amount of merchandise increases, the wage fund increases too. And in case of contraction, which could happen seasonally, for seasonal or for other reasons, if that is the case, then <coughs> the two contract together. So says law is valid. This is, I don't think Rutherhausen makes reference to say, but we can see that this is actually part of the same problem. So I would add this to uh, Mises' remarks, uh, why the government policy trying to boost wages is counterproductive, and we go even further than Mises did because it was the governments whose misguided policies destroyed the wage fund and created a horrible unemployment situation in the 1930s. And even when this was worked down after World War, uh, two, uh, there was a relatively full employment situation, but they still talked about structural unemployment because the employment situation never became as secure as it was before, as it was before World War One, because the wage fund was no longer there, and the wage fund was the guarantee that uh, people, workers, laborers can be paid <coughs> weekly, and they don't have to wait until the ultimate consumer good is being sold for cash, and then go back and pay, because the, the, 
the money can be advanced, society has an institution which makes it possible. It's not banks, it's not the government, it's not unemployment insurance, it's not uh, any of the uh, several artificial uh, government schemes which pretend to help the laborer. But it is this um, idea of real bill circulation and part of it is the wage fund. So that is what I wanted to add to Mises' thought number three, the futility of the policy of boosting wages. And now we come to the last one, uh, which is the futility of valorization of gold, <coughs> which is something Mises introduces uh, in this early paper, 1965. Uh, however, Mises didn't use the word valorization. I just added that word because it's a short way of talking about um, the idea, which is that governments have a policy whereby they want to uh, adjust the gold price in a way which would fit their purposes. So we call it gold valorization policy of the government, but it has many different uh, ways uh, of appearance. Uh, nowadays, it's, uh, in most of the cases, it looks like government manipulation of the gold price. There are serious charges and even lawsuits against the government or the government banks, central banks and international banks, such as the BIS, Bank for International Settlements, that they are manipulating the gold price and this uh, is in violation of the, uh, what laws? Uh, the antitrust laws, GATA in particular was established to fight that. GATA stands for Gold Antitrust Action. An antitrust Action Committee. Okay. Um, now, this charge is valid. I, I'm not disputing it. The government does, in fact, interfere in the gold market. And uh, by and large, what the government tries to do is keep the gold price in check, because the gold price would have run away uh, years ago, if it hadn't been for various schemes and designs to keep it in check. But the, the, there's nothing surprising about that. The government considers it as part of its sacred duty to do that. The government considers itself as the guardian of the money of the people, of societies, um, money, which includes gold. And 
for that reason, the government is just doing what it is supposed to do. That's how the government sees itself. So I, I find this uh, effort on the part of Gata and others, and the, the criticism itself is, is, is misplaced. That the government really sh should not or does not deny that it is uh, doing that, but it puts a positive spin on that activity, it's a duty, a sacred duty of the government to look after the stability and that includes the uh, part of manipulating, well, the government wouldn't say manipulating the gold uh, or the gold price, but to uh, uh, to uh, have policies which will establish the gold price at a level which is a common blessing for all members of society. Now, of course, this is just propaganda. In fact, it's pretty malicious propaganda <clears throat> with an intention to mislead people and make them uh, forget that gold is really the only money and to make, to uh, de uh, derive value for paper currency, the government's own fiat currency, is originating in gold. So uh, really this government policy is a big failure because just look at what had happened to <coughs> the <coughs> price level since 1971, when the U.S. government defaulted on its uh, gold, international gold obligations. So um, Mises uh, talks about this, and uh, of course, at that early, uh, relatively early stage, it was not clear what would evolve ultimately, but it was clear that the government policy would fail.